Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Good. Children, I believe you're dismissed for Children's Church up through grade three. And while they're being dismissed, not that many. Okay. Thank you, uh, Brian, for uh, and the worship team for leading us this morning. We appreciate that, and especially our special, special music today. We appreciate that as well. Um, when I walked into the auditorium today, I saw a lot of uh, uh, new faces, a whole group of people sitting over there, and I, I thought, wow, they must have heard I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, no, I think they're here for Mo and Sue. Some- <laughs> Some kind of special celebration? What, the uh, 10th wedding anniversary of it? Or? Close. What is it? It's your 50th? No. No, no way. You got married in first grade? I didn't think that was legal in Pennsylvania. New Hampshire. New Hampshire, oh, okay. Well, I, I heard they're kind of liberal up there, so... My mistake. Well, we do appreciate uh, our our special visitors today. And again, I appreciate Brian and his music ability to be able to pick out songs for the occasion. As I've said before, he always asked for the title of the sermon and the theme. So he could try to pick out some music that goes along with it. I told him our title, our theme was on conflict resolution, and he'd probably have a hard time picking something that dealt with that. And so sure enough, uh, he said, well, you know, I think we're going with the patriotic theme anyway because of July 4th. But he didn't realize it, but he did pick an appropriate hymn, the Battle Hymn of Republic, because that's what it felt like in my family when we grew up. It felt like a battle among the siblings, okay? So, Brian, again, we thank you for your efforts on all those, uh, picking out those songs that are appropriate for us. Um, Our... Title in the bulletin says, he started it. Now, hopefully you caught that a little bit. Um, This is a phrase that we use around our house a lot, our siblings and and my siblings and myself. Uh, We'd often get into fights, and we often would end with, well, he started it, or she started it. So, again, our title today, our topic, is about conflict resolution. And right before the service, Rod asked me, he says, now, this is a tough subject. Have you ever preached or taught in conflict resolution? I said, no, but I've been in a lot of them. And... Most of them weren't resolved very well, so I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say this morning. (laughs) The Moore family did have a few conflicts. My brother and I, uh, my brother Roy, older brother, and my younger sister Jill, we always have fights. My brother and I would would have a lot of different fights, but many times Roy and I would pick on my youngest sister, my young sister Jill. And so it's two against one. We'd gang up on her. We'd make an alliance as they would do on Survivor and stuff like that. And we'd gang up on her. Matter of fact, it got so bad sometimes. There's one time I remember... Jill went to the kitchen drawer and pulled out a butcher knife, and she chased us around the kitchen table because she was so upset. I don't remember what it was about or what. I just remember her chasing us around the table with a butcher knife. Then there was a time we were playing croquet, and I'm not sure what happened, but Roy and Jill got into it, and they got pretty mad. Jill got upset. She started crying, and she started going towards the house to tell Mommy, and Roy was really mad. He picked up the croquet ball, and he threw it at her. And I, as a middle child, said, Jill, watch out! And she t- stopped, she turned around, and sure enough, got hit right in the middle of the forehead <laughs> with a croquet bar. Croquet ball. And 
This was just like two days before. My, my sister reminded me of this when I told her about this sermon illustration. She said, and you know, within a couple of days, I had to be a flower girl in cousin uh, Cindy's wedding. So she had a big old black and blue mark on her forehead. <laughs> but as older brothers are apt to do, Roy found a way to blame it on me. Okay? Now he threw the cocaine ball. All he said was, stop. All right, so I said, Jill, watch out. And he said, well, Dale, if you hadn't said watched out, she wouldn't have stopped and turned around and had the ball hit her. She would have kept on going, and the ball would have fallen short, Dale. So it's all your fault, okay? I thought they'd get a bigger laugh for some reason. Anyway. <laughs> the moral of the story, don't mess around with the Mort siblings. We don't follow good rules. We don't follow conflict resolution the way we should. A better moral might be learn how to avoid and resolve conflicts in a civilized manner, unlike the Morts. <clears throat> As you see in the topic uh, in your handout today, the topic is titled to avoid or resolve conflict. You need to make these seven choices. Now, the first two choices have to do with avoiding conflict, and the next five can be used to avoid or to resolve conflict that you come across, okay? We're going to go through these seven choices fairly quickly. Uh, we're going to go through them. We're going to circle back then and come up with some examples for each of the seven choices. But I will tell you that there's not going to be a whole lot of commentary. I'm not going to say a lot about the verses. I'm just going to let the verses speak for themselves, okay? And while there's going to be a lot of verses on the screen for you, there are also going to be some flipping through of the Proverbs and... Uh, we're going to try to stay in two sections, but there'll be a lot of flipping through, so I hope you all brought your little rubber thummy thing here so you can turn the pages more quickly like I'm going to do. I guess I should have put that in the announcements uh, beforehand. But anyway, we're going to look at some on the, on the uh, screen here, including the first one, the title uh, verse for today. I've got to start this thing. Let's see if I got it. There we go. That's not the title one. Okay. We got these out of order. Oh, that's going to be fun. Okay, we missed them. All right. This is why I go to back up here. Uh, the first verse that we're going to look at uh, was Proverbs 16 7. You don't need to turn there. But it says, When a person's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he causes even his enemies to make peace with him. This verse can be looked at two different ways. If you're pleasing to the Lord, you're going to make your enemies agree with you or be at peace with you. But it also could mean that if you follow steps like we're going to look at today, these are pleasing steps. By following these steps, you are going to be pleasing to the Lord. Thank you. You've got it up there. My man, Jared. Way to go. <laughs> I don't know what I did wrong, but I'm sure I did something wrong. But anyway, there it is. So if you follow these steps, you're going to be pleasing God by trying to resolve conflict and trying to avoid it to begin with, okay? The first choice, as your handout says, is in Proverbs 26, 17. Go ahead and turn there. Proverbs 26, 17. The first choice is not to meddle at all. Don't even get involved so that there's no conflict there. Proverbs 26, 17 says, Like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. How many of you have pet dogs at home? How many of them hate to be touched by their ears? Anybody? 
Not too many, okay. I know a couple, I ran across a couple and I, heard, I found out the hard way, they don't like the, you to touch their ears, okay? But that's today's pets, the pet dogs. In the Old Testament times, they had no such thing as pet dogs. These were all wild dogs. And you wouldn't want to get near these dogs to begin with, nevertheless touching their ears, okay? Trying to grab them by the ears. That's not a good thing to do. Proverbs says that if you try to do that, that's like trying to meddle in something that you have no business meddling in. So don't meddle. Choose not to meddle. If it doesn't concern you, it shouldn't concern you. Don't meddle. Choice number two, similar. It says choose not to hang around those who love to argue. Look down just a couple of verses to verses 20 and 21 in chapter 26. For the lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, contention quiets down. 27. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. That word whisperer in verse 20, where there is no whisperer, in the New King James Version, it says talebearer, someone who likes to tell tales. In the NIV, it says gossiper. You can get the idea whisperer is a gossiper. He's gossiping. She's gossiping about something. She's trying to stir up some kind of contention or strife, get you to feel bad about somebody else because of what they said or did. Avoid those people. Where there's no whisper, where there's no gossip, there is no strife. And if you're not there standing around that gossiper, that gossiper has nobody to tell it to. So walk away. Don't hang around those who argue. Romans 16, 17. It's okay. Romans 16 and 17 says, turn away from brethren who cause dissension. Just turn away from them. Get away. Don't be the fire or don't be the wood that they want and they need to feed off of, okay? Again, I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them, Romans 16 17. So don't meddle and don't hang around those that argue. Those are ways to avoid conflict. Now, as far as resolving conflict, something similar here in number three. Choose to drop a matter quickly. Okay? Choose to drop a matter quickly. Or, as Queen Elsa says, Is that coming over? Okay. Queen Elsa and Frozen says, let it go. Let it go. This is a mantra in my house now with my wife and me. She's constantly saying, let it go, Dale, let it go. Honey, from now on, I want you to just play it for me, okay? Save your voice. Let it go, Dale, let it go. There's so many times that I, I, I want to harp on something and, and get angry about something, and she says, just let it go. She, speaking of Sharon, used to have uh, Proverbs 26, 20, verse again, said, for the lack of wood, there is no fire. Let it go. If you're not there, if you drop it, they're not going to be arguing with you. My wife had a boss. She loved... The boss would love to tell her, you know, Sharon, you need to pick your battles. Pick which things are really worth fighting for. You have to decide if this is the hill you want to die on. And so that's the idea here. Just let it go. Proverbs 9, 7 through 8. Proverbs 9, 7 through 8. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. And 29.1, 
Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Doing a great job, Jared, thanks. The idea here is there's some people that aren't gonna to listen to you anyway. They're just not open to listening. So, so why argue with them? Why fight with them? You can tell that you're not gonna get anywhere. Just walk away, just drop it or let it go. Proverbs 30, verses 33. Proverbs 30 and 33, or 30, verse 33. For the churning of milk produces butter, and pressing the nose brings forth blood. So the churning of anger produces strife. The main point I want to bring out is the churning, but I do like the middle one too. The pressing of the nose brings forth blood, okay? Constantly pressing your nose is going to bring forth blood, but the churning of milk that idea of just going, you have to churn, churn. Now, I didn't grow up on the farm like many of you did, and I don't know anything about churning, but I know it takes a long time to churn that milk into butter. And it's a constantly up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And that's the way it is with anger. If you constantly go after it and keep after it and work on it and work on it, you're going to produce strife, okay? So stop churning. Stop churning. Just walk away from it. Stop the churning before it begins. If you don't feel it is absolutely necessary to respond to every comment or argument being made, then just don't respond. Just walk away. Proverbs 17, 14 is similar. It says, abandoning the quarrel before it breaks out, before it breaks out into a flood. But the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Just let it go. Walk away. And by doing so, you become a peacemaker, which is our, first, our next uh, choice. Choose to be a peacemaker. There are three similar passages about being a peacemaker, and the first one is in Proverbs 26. You'll turn there, or you're already there, maybe. Or hold your place in 26, that's right. And let's go back to 15. Hold your place in 26. Put your bulletin there, whatever, and go back to Proverbs 15, 18. Proverbs 15, 18. I'm going to three, read three, all three verses here in, in uh, three different chapters. And I want you to find the one phrase that's repeated in all three. 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger pacifies contention. Flip back one page to 1429. 1429. But he who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. And now forward again a couple of chapters to 1632. 1632 of Proverbs says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Did you pick up on any one phrase that was repeated there? Oh, I'm sorry, did I give it away? What's the phrase? Slow. No, no not slow to anger, but as some of you said, slow to anger. All right. Slow to anger. You're a peacemaker when you're slow to anger. I'm sure you've been there too. Oftentimes, you're in this little discussion you're not quite at this, on the same level, same page as this person, that you don't quite disagree with this, or agree with this person, and all of a sudden this 
minor little disagreement turns into a major full-blown conflict, okay? That's probably what happened with us kids. Some little thing that Roy said to Jill, or Jill said to Roy, probably developed into this massive black and blue mark on her forehead, okay? So often, it's when both parties refuse to be slow to anger that the minor little disagreements become major conflicts. So we need to be slow to anger before it gets out of hand. Uh, I think you're in uh, Proverbs 16. Go ahead and look at verse 14 now. Proverbs 16, 14. The wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but a wise man will appease it. The wise man becomes a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9, favorite passage, right, for many. Blessed are the who? The peacemakers, for they shall inherit, or they shall be called the sons of God. So choose to be a peacemaker. In order to be a peacemaker, you have to choose to listen. Choose to listen. Proverbs 18, 13, Jared. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Don't spout off something until you've heard everything. Proverbs 10, 19, Jared, please. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Get all the facts. Listen to all the facts first. Don't go be spouting off something before you hear it all. Get the other person's viewpoint. So often, if you're like me, I'm listening to somebody make their point, and I don't necessarily agree with their point. So before that person's even finished, I'm working out in my own mind what I'm going to say to that person. I don't realize that by the end of it, he's changed his view, and he says something that I would agree with now. I just, just misunderstood the first part. All right? So listen. Concentrate on listening. There's a clip that we want to see, the first clip that we have on there. Uh, about listening. It makes two points. Pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have... A nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop they... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying <laughs> to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just... Don't! Okay. <clears throat> I'm not going to say that sounded like some of the conversations I have with my wife, but there's two points there. Yes, 
sometimes people just want you to listen to them. Don't try to fix the problem, guys. Just listen to them. The other point, pun intended, the other point is that they have to listen to you too. Sometimes what we have to say can fix the problem, ladies. So listen. Listen to the person. Listen to what they're saying. But then also you need to make sure that they understand what you're trying to tell them as well. So both sides listening to the point is important. And that's how you become peacemakers. You listen. Next choice is number six. Choose your words wisely. If you're still in Proverbs 15, hold your place there now and go back to Proverbs 25. You should, you should have your bulletin or finger in 26. Just go to Proverbs 25, verses 11, 12, and 15. In the last couple of verses, we saw the word wise, W-I-S-C, and we're going to see that repeated again in a few more verses here. Proverbs 25, 11. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstances after you've already listened, after you've got their viewpoint. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise provider to a listening ear. The word wise reprover, excuse me, wise reprover, someone who chooses their, their words wisely. Look at verse 15 in that chapter 25. For by forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue breaks the bone. Now flip, flip back to 15. You held your place in chapter 15 or Proverbs 15. Go back there at 15, 1 and 2. You'll see these verses all connected. Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools sprout folly. The word again, wise. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge. And now Proverbs 16, 23, 24. Proverbs 16, 23. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So these verses all talk about how we can choose the words wisely. We want to have gentle answers to turn away wrath. Gentle answers. Not harsh words, but gentle answers. We want to use pleasant and healing words. Pleasant and healing words, but we want to be persuasive. We do want to get our point across. We do want to let them know that could be a nail in your head. Okay? You need to persuade them. Now, I have a hard problem with this, especially when I'm on that thing called face something. What's it called? Facebook. I try not to consume too much of my time on Facebook. My wife keeps telling me, let it go. Let it go. But I get on there, I read these stupid comments by people, you know, that, that don't agree with my political viewpoint or my, you know, whatever. And I just want to respond. And, and oftentimes, I just... I have to get, let it out, so I tell Sharon, well, this is what I like to say. And you know what Sharon says?
Okay? You got the idea. Let it go. Just let it go, Dale. But I rather, sometimes I'd rather respond instead of with wise words, with pleasant words, gentle answers. I sometimes just want to say, you're an idiot. How can you believe that? What's wrong with you? You're stupid. You know, but instead, I've I got to choose gentle words. And, and I have to say things like, well, you know what? I'm not sure if I agree with that. Uh, what's the basis for your feelings or your thoughts or your opinions? What facts are you drawing upon? I love it when they said, well, you know, this is causing this. And I go, okay, where's your sources? Yeah, but then again, that was my thing and my profession was I had, had all the stats involved to prove certain things. So it's, it's kind of a bad thing with me, kind of a uh, thing I've got to get over and let it go. But in order to be a peacemaker, in order to, uh, you know, solve conflicts, we need to choose our words wisely. And then we got to choose, number seven, our last choice is to forgive and forget. Proverbs 17.9, if you'll turn there. Proverbs 17.9, just one page over for most of us. It says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Cover a transgression. If you're seeking love, if you're seeking uh, compatibility with the person you're discussing this with, then make sure there's love. Make sure you have love for the other person. Not a hatred that builds up from this conflict, but love for that person and just try to be helping them through this. And on the screen, if you would, Jared, Proverbs 11.13. Proverbs 11.13. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Forgive and forget. Colossians 3.13 says it this way, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave. Just let it go and drop it. Forgive that person. If your argument comes to a successful conclusion, great, that's wonderful. If you let the love come through you and it comes out, great, and it's all settled, great. Forgive it and forget it. But even if it comes out as a stalemate and you decide to just, you know, to agree, not to agree, then you still need to forgive and forget. Don't go gossiping. Don't be a talebearer, as we saw earlier. Don't be telling other people, well, you know, so-and-so said this and I disagree about it. No, that's just stirring up more strife. You're a contentious person when you do that. But when you come to a conclusion, or even if you don't, just drop it, forgive, and forget. So now we're going to look at an example of, of someone that used several of these different choices. And it is July 3rd today. And this clip is representing a recreating an event from July 3rd. It's from the Moody movie Gettysburg. It's the scene between General Lee and General Jeb Stuart. Jeb Stuart had been running around everywhere and wasn't there for the second day of battle. So now it's just after midnight. Lee brings out the fact that it is July 3rd. And in honor of that occasion, I'm also wearing blue and gray for that honor, not red, white, and blue, but to honor the Battle of Gettysburg, the day of Pickett's Charge. Here's the clip. What day is it now, Ed? It's long after midnight, son. It's already Friday. Friday, July the 3rd? Yes, sir. And tomorrow is the 4th of July. Sir? Independence Day? Oh, I quite forgot. The Lord has a sense of humor. I'm very sorry, 
keep you up so late. It is my pleasure. We should have a larger staff. All right, I'll be offended, sir. I can do the work. General Stewart is waiting to see you, sir. Shall I bring him in? Of course. Major. Yes, sir. General Stewart and I must not be disturbed. Very well, sir. Thank you. I know it's a dark clip, but the words are what's important. You wish to see me, sir? It is the opinion of some excellent officers that you have let us all down. General Lee, sir, if you will please tell me who these gentlemen are. There will be none of that. There is no time. Sir, I only ask that I be allowed to defend my... There is no time. General Stewart. Your mission was to free this army from the enemy cavalry and to report any movement by the enemy's main body. That mission was not fulfilled. You left here with no word of your movement or movement of the enemy for several days. Meanwhile, we were engaged here, drawn into battle without adequate knowledge of the enemy's strength or position, without knowledge of the ground. So it is only by God's grace that we did not meet disaster here. Didn't believe there were reasons. Perhaps you misunderstood my orders. Perhaps I did not make myself clear. Well, sir, this must be made very clear. You, sir, with your cavalry, are the eyes of this army. Without your cavalry, we are made blind. That has already happened once. It must never, never happen again. Sir, since I no longer hold the general... I have told you there is no time for that. There is no time. There's another fight coming tomorrow, and we need you. We need every man, God knows. You must take what I have told you and learn from it, as a man does. There has been a mistake. It will not happen again. I know your quality. You are one of the finest cavalry officers I have ever known, and your service to this army has been invaluable. Now, let us speak no more of this. is concluded. Good night, Okay. Now, I wouldn't recommend the yelling. I mean, he let himself go there, and he regretted it right away, you could tell. But uh, General Lee exercised at least four of these choices in this confrontation with uh, General Stewart. Uh, General Lee decided to be a peacemaker. He reprimanded Stewart, sure, 
for not listening to him, but then he quickly moved to resolution, reconciliation. He said some nice words about him. Okay? He chose his words wisely. He compliments to it. He says, you are a fantastic general. We need you in this last day of battle, and this next day of battle. And uh, he complimented him. He chose his words wisely. He chose to drop the matter quickly. A couple times he said, there is no time. And he just let it drop. He let it go. And I play it for you again, but I'm running out of time. Let it go. He dropped the matter. And he chose to forgive and forget. He actually said, we will speak of this matter no more. So General Lee used uh, some of these choices from Proverbs in solving the conflict he had with General Stewart. Now in Scripture, there are also examples of, of, the, of some of these uh, choices. And I'll just go through some examples real quickly. The first one, do not, uh, choose not to meddle. In uh, Genesis 25 and 27, we know the two twins from uh, Isaac and Rebekah. It was Jacob and Esau. And uh, Jacob was a supplanter. He was holding onto Esau's foot as they came out. But God had told Rebekah the older Esau would serve the younger, Jacob. And that was God's plan all along. Usually it's the older that gets the blessing from the father and the birthright. But God says, no, it's going to be the younger. And I guess Rebekah probably told Jacob, because throughout Jacob's life, he was trying to supplant Esau. The two main ones, stories we see in Genesis 25 and 26 and 27 are that uh, Jacob sold, excuse me, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a little bowl of stew. He sold his birthright. And then later on, uh, Jacob stole Esau's blessing from his father by dressing up like Esau and going in for that blessing before his blind father. So Jacob the supplanter chose to meddle. He meddled in God's plan. God's plan was to give him all the rights of the firstborn anyway, but he chose to make sure that plan came across, and he did it his way rather than let God do it his way. Genesis 26, the example of uh, is Isaac and Ishmael. They quarreled over wells. This example of both choice number two and three. Choose not to hang around those who argue and choose to drop a matter quickly. There was famine in the land. Um, Isaac was looking for a place to settle down where there was some water for his crops. And he went into the uh, plains of Abraham, his father. He started uncovering wells. But as soon as he uncovered the well, one well, the local tribe of Gerah came in and he took it over. He says, this is our well. And Isaac could have made a contention out of it. He could have fought them for it, but he decided to just drop the matter and not argue with them. It, the scripture even uses the word, they quarreled, quarreled. And Isaac and his people, instead of quarreling, they dropped the matter and they did not hang around those who liked to argue. Choice number four, we see in Genesis 45, 4 and 5. Joseph and his brothers, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Later on, Joseph became second only to Pharaoh in Egypt during a famine. His brothers come down to the land seeking food during the famine. They have to come to Joseph to ask for the food. Joseph had every right to take out his revenge, didn't he? He had every right to say, you guys sold me in slavery. Let me see what you deserve. But no, Joseph decided to be a peacemaker. Joseph embraced his brothers, literally embraced his brothers, and he settled their long-time conflict. He did not exact revenge. He was a peacemaker. 1 Kings 3 has our fifth choice. Choose to listen. 
First Kings 3, 16, 28 is the story about the two women, the two harlots that were living in a brothel together in the same room, and they both had babies about the same time. But one night, one mother rolled over and smothered her baby to death. In the middle of the night, when she woke up and found this, she switched babies with the other mother. Well, the other mother took this argument, this agreement, to Solomon himself, wise Solomon. And Solomon listened. He let them tell their story, especially the first mother, told this story bit by bit. Then the second mother had a chance to rebuttal. Finally, Solomon, after listening to the whole story, not interrupting, he finally made a decision. He was going to divide the baby in half. The real mother said, no, no, don't let my baby live. And he knew that was the real mother. But the point is that Solomon chose to listen to the full story. For our 12 verses, he listened to the two mothers. Number six, choose your words wisely. Just a few months ago, I preached on the uh, book of Philemon. By the way, if you're visiting today, come back again. This is not the real pastor. I'm third string, as they all know. Uh, one pastor's sabbatical, one's on vacation. You got the third string. Anyway, a few months ago, I was out, had the opportunity to uh, preach when both pastors at a conference. I preached on Philemon. And if you remember, Philemon uh, is the former slave owner of Onesimus who ran away, probably stole something from him. He wound up in Rome, got saved under Paul. Now he's Paul saying, you've got to return to your master. So he gives them a letter, the letter to Philemon. And he's asking Philemon to accept them. But Paul chooses wise words. He builds up Philemon before he asks the favor of Philemon. He talks about his faith and his love and, and the ministry he has and how he has confidence in him. He chose some wise words to speak. So read Philemon uh, sometime. And then finally, number seven. Acts, or 2 Timothy 4.11. Paul writes to uh, Timothy, and he says, Only Lucas is with me. Send me Mark with the parchments. Now, you think, well, why is that forgiving and forgetting? Well, you have to go back to Acts 15, verses 36 through 41, where we have the conflict between Paul and Barnabas over Mark. Mark had deserted them on the first missionary journey. They're about to go on another missionary journey. Barnabas says, let's bring Mark along. Paul says, no way. That guy left us before. I'm not taking him. There was conflict, not just with Paul and Mark, but between Paul and Barnabas, where they separated. But now here we see at the end of Paul's life, Paul has need of Mark. So Paul decided to forgive and forget. So those are examples from Scripture of these seven choices. And so it is with God and us. God knows how to resolve conflict. There is a conflict between us and God. There has been since Adam and Eve. Our sin has created a wall of division between us. God's perfect. He's holy. He cannot have sinful people entering his heaven. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Turn with me one last place. This was in the, in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Sin. 
sin is separating us from God. There is that conflict. But Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to be skipping around verse, the first 16 verses, but you can probably follow along with me. But it says here in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, he's a peacemaker, who made both groups, Jew and Gentile, into one, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity. That word enmity, we're not used to that, but in the New American Standard, or excuse me, NIV, and the English Standard Version, it calls it the hostility. He abolished the hostility, or the conflict, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enemy, enemy or the conflict. And finally, the last verse on the screen, Proverbs 16, 7, our key verse from this morning. It pleases God, it pleases the Lord when he makes peace with our enemy. I'm sorry, when a man's way of pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. It pleases the Lord that when we make peace with our enemies by making these seven choices to avoid and resolve conflict. And above all, we must do this with love because as Proverbs 10, 12 says, love covers all transgressions. God's love has covered all of our transgressions, all of our sins, through the payment he made on the cross with his son, Jesus Christ. Will you accept that payment? If you haven't already, will you accept the payment for your sins that Christ made on the cross? In that way, it ends the conflict between us and God and restores us in a right relationship with him. Let's pray.